Hi everyone and welcome to Hit the Apex. This week after the Brazilian Grand Prix we thought it might be a doozy given that the championship is over, two races to go and um, Baden you didn't even watch it live. That was how um, over you were with the result, with the way the season's gone but it ended up being quite a humdinger and we're going to talk all about it, all the fallout and um, the big incident that happened involving Max Verstappen and Esteban Ocon and talk about Mercedes too with their uh, Constructors' Championship victory. But um, since then, you have watched the race and um, had plenty to share thoughts-wise on what happened and everything. So we'll crack into that. But um, yeah, 50th win for Lewis Hamilton in the end out of 99 races in the hybrid era. So more than 50% of the victories since 2014 has been Lewis Hamilton's, and he also claimed the 100th pole position for Mercedes as well as a F1 um, team. First of all, off the top, I'd say it's not exactly some preference that I chose to miss this race. The fact that it was on at 4.10am had a probably 90% factor, let alone the championship being a this race being a dead rubber. But uh, as far as they go, having thought it would have been one where nothing much would have gone down... I was happy to be surprised, and having viewed the replay later on that afternoon, it certainly was one of the races of the season, and beyond what uh, that that fact, 50 victories for Lewis Hamilton from 99 starts, that's quite incredible, but for all the uh, acrimony which did go down between Max Verstappen and Esteban Ocon, it really did provide some, some highlights, and just, just a good way to um, continue the the season beyond the title race which has already been done and dusted yeah exactly so with the incident itself we'll talk about it in more detail like the fallout and stuff later on but for now we'll just talk about the race itself so the win you could say um was gifted to the world champion on lap 44 after leader Max Verstappen clashed with the lapped car of Esteban, Esteban Ocon so Max ended up taking the lead of the race after stretching out the first stint um, on the super soft tyres made a good start as well picked off the likes of the Ferraris who started on the softs and that's why I guess they had the poor getaways and Sebastian Vettel especially pretty dogged off the line and just had a, a shocking race from there on and we'll talk about him in a sec but yeah after the first round of pit stops Max inherited the lead um, Red Bull put their cars on the soft because they went long, Mercedes on the medium tyres, which they continued to struggle on, um, and then pretty much the race was in Max bag, Max's bag, and then all of a sudden, Esteban Ocon comes out of the final, uh, onto the home straight to try and unlap himself, he was told by the team that he could unlap himself on fresh super soft tyres too, so at that point in the race he was actually quicker than Max Verstappen, but no room was left by either driver, and it was Max who ultimately lost more out of it because, yeah, he lost the the lead of the race and ultimately the win. So a late charge after that. Couldn't see him beat Hamilton, but he was able to secure P2 even though he had floor damage. Um, he was able to take off a bit of time to Hamilton, which showed all the problems that Hamilton was having on the day, given he said that was an engine failure imminent, they were not really working well on the medium tyres either, so, you know, if it was a, the race was a couple of more laps, you would have thought Max would have been able to pick off Hamilton, but as it was, he was able to do a good job to claw back all that lost time, and had to, wasn't really consolable in P2, he wanted the win that day. I think the biggest takeaway beyond 
victory being denied to Max Verstappen is that Red Bull is concluding this season with the the best car on Sundays. And at the opposite end of that is that Mercedes, yes, they came away with victory on Sunday. That they've really been struggling of late ever since um, what was it, Japan before we went to uh, US and Raikkonen's victory. But they just haven't seemed quite on that level where they they were when Hamilton really. Um, did all the work to secure his fifth championship. And it does make you wonder how that pecking order will be into next season. So for what it was, Red Bull, a missed opportunity. But the pace that we also saw from Ricardo, it's evident that they've got a very handy package there. And he was unlucky in his own right to miss out on third spot. Well, when you think about that, it's almost a bit elementary anyway now, given that both the championships are sewn up and it really doesn't count for little. And then going into next year too, you've got... What even though appear to be minor changes to the regulations, uh, from a technical point of view, everyone's saying that they're it's actually quite a significant change. So um, whether the status quo as it is after the Brazilian Grand Prix remains going into next year remains to be seen. But um, yeah, you know, I'd like to see a bit of we'd all like to see a bit of a shake up. But Red Bull once again um, hard to really uh, gauge their season in that respect because they always seem to come good at the end of the year when things are no longer on the line and everything so remember 2015 as well later in the year they started scoring podiums 2016 um towards the end of the year they were able to secure a few more victories as well so it always seems to be yeah the first half they can't get right and then the second half is when they start um coming back and that's i guess testament to where Max Verstappen is in the the championship as well he's um fighting closely with Kimi Raikkonen and um Valtteri Bottas for third place I guess so you know that would be something if he was able to take that from those guys in the final race in Abu Dhabi but um it's still a long way off and Daniel Ricciardo we can just talk about it um constantly how unlucky he's been and everything and it was good to at least see him finish the race but you know he's he's worth more than that and that's why it's hard to get excited about him finishing fourth but he had a great race he started 11th because of that um, penalty for the turbocharger after Mexico Um, had a late stop went onto the soft tire and was hunting down Kimi Raikkonen towards the end of the race so I think he missed out only by a a second or two so you know if the race was a little bit longer could have had Kimi in the bag too but for Kimi another podium which was quite solid and Dan fourth I guess it's just something you have to take and what's quite conspicuous is that, not for the first time, uh, quite a few occasions this year, Kimi Raikkonen having the measure of Sebastian Vettel alongside Valtteri Bottas, they were really conspicuously just off their game on Sunday. And as much as it was a pretty tight margin amongst the top five or six, they never seemed to be on the same level there, whereas Raikkonen did have a chance for a time of maybe having that pace to, to take it to the um, Hamilton and Verstappen, and it's just, again, it does make you think in hindsight that regret that he will be not afforded another season with Ferrari, and you just hope that Sauber continues the form they've got so he'll be able to 
to continue what has been the upswing, the most competitive he's been at any point since he, he joined rejoined Ferrari in 2014. Yeah, exactly. Once being called a laggard by the late Sergio Marchione, now actually, you know, um, starting to come into his own. And quickly on, Bottas and um, Vettel both lacking the pace um, and both ended up having to make a second pit stop too. So that just shows you how much they struggled on their tyres and also just didn't have the pace to keep up with those top guys. So, you know, finishing fifth for Bottas, I guess, uh, was enough to help Mercedes clinch that title with the victory for Hamilton. Going back to Ocon, sorry, he was given a 10-second stop-and-go penalty as um, uh, as a result of the clash with Verstappen. But I guess the postscript was what's, what was more topical, and we'll discuss that separately after this. But, um, yeah, you know, some might argue that the penalty shouldn't have even been given, given that, you know, it should have been regarded as a racing incident. But, uh, yeah, more on that later anyway. But, um, yeah, going to the best of the rest. And you just mentioned Sauber. They qualified best of the rest um, with Marcus Ericsson getting his career best qualifying. Seventh it was. And then as a result of the Ricardo penalty, he ended up being elevated to six. But, unfortunately, he couldn't really convert that because he had problems from the outset. He's got to feel a bit sorry for him. He really seems to have got his act together, as many drivers do once the the shackles come off, whether it's a renewal or they've been released. And for Ericsson, he's got his berth secure in uh, stateside with IndyCar for 2019. So this was a a big boost for him to show that he he does have those credentials and, and maybe a future in F1 sometime down the track. And just the way it worked out for him... um, it's a shame, but Charles Leclerc certainly proved yet again that he optimises what, what Sauber has and just highlights, not for the first time, Sauber, their development curve we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, just how stark it is from being the literal rear of the grid at Melbourne and now they're probably on paper on any given weekend the best of the rest outside of those big three teams. Yeah, and even um, the big, well, when you put Haas and um, Renault into that mix as well, um, Sauber were the best qualifiers in that regard this weekend, and Leclerc ended up finishing seventh and got the points again. So, yeah, um, hard not to be optimistic about next season with Kimi Raikkonen coming on board, and they can only improve from where they are this season. So, you know, as you said earlier um, on, well, sort of not too long ago, um, what if they... They're on for a 2012-style season next year where they could even uh, surprise the podium a little bit given that they've got the Ferrari power unit and other Ferrari components. And Ferrari, up until you know the mid-year, were, were the benchmark team in the field. So, yeah, it could be that we see them up there along with the likes of Haas. Yeah, Raikkonen's a tyre whisperer as he was to quite an extent with Lotus in 2012 that could be a perfect combination yeah exactly if the Pirelli tyre profiles are similar to what they've been this year and everything and everyone trying to stretch out one stop strategies to to work so yeah with Ericsson sad again diffuser damage pre-race led to the issues that he had during the race and yeah you know as you said he's come on good the last few races and particularly given that his future has been decided. It's not in F1. And, um, yeah, you know, you'd hope that he can go out with a good result in Abu Dhabi, given that he was denied um, this time out in Brazil with the car issues. Yeah, again, he's had a solid contribution to 
the sport and probably alongside Leclerc, it's really given him some more credence than he had at any previous time. So uh, you do hope that of all the candidates for, for someone who might have fallen off the grid in recent years, he's not the last driver you'd want to see back in the sport. Yeah, exactly. And um, for Leclerc, sorry, seventh, as I said before, um, he was able to hold off the fellow Ferrari-powered Haas cars as well. So Haas in the points, but Sauber being that best of the rest finisher on race day as well. So good on him. And then, yeah, the Haas cars behind, um, taking a chunk out of Renault's um, deficit in the Constructors' Championship. So both Renault's not in the points again. Um, I guess they've just had such an inconsistent season where they'll have these really good results and then the next time they're not in the points at all. So Nico Hulkenberg had a DNF and then, of course, Carlos Sainz outside the points. Yes, it's um, they're going to scrape over the line for for that fourth and that's, that's big in its own right. But as far as that momentum building, they haven't really had much to to work with you could say and for Hulkenberg um, it's just an interesting position he finds himself in you can see that frustration that he he wants to take that next step and still find that elusive podium so you'd be thinking he's going to be pretty keen in 2019 alongside Ricardo there to, to make that breakthrough and again the onus is on them just to continue that curve and the consistency and that that's where the intrigue lies in terms of that you could call it um, maybe not as far as the manufacturers on their own level, but the personnel when it comes to Red Bull and Renault, there's a lot at stake when it comes to Pride in 2019. Yeah, exactly. And Honda, we already heard that they're going to be eyeing some uh, development fast tracking for next year with one of their partners that they have. So, you know, it just shows you that they're pulling a lot of resources into that basket and, you know, perhaps a little bit of optimism for next year with Red Bull. But also Renault too, you could argue that now finally free of the Red Bull reign, they can do whatever they want sort of thing. And, you know, they've not had as many issues on their cars, I guess, as the Red Bull guys have had so I guess um, being in the fourth year of development um, for that team as a manufacturer team you'd hope that you know they take another stride forward next year. And for Haas it probably comes back to roost that start of the season Grosjean had which is going to deny them a proper run at at fourth but at least they've been able to salvage a, a pretty decent haul with the, the prize money from the position when he probably only scored his first points around seven or eight, wasn't it, Austria, I think. And and since then, he's really come on song. And you'd hope that next season, if they can hit the ground running, then they're capable also of making a leap. And that talk from whatever Force India's identity will be next season, that if, if these teams and their ambitions are realised, we could have quite a, a spicy fight there where they're bringing it to a much closer degree than that golf that we we have been used to for several seasons now where you get the top three teams and there's a good second between the rest of them. Yeah, exactly. You want to close it as much as you can and... You know, with the likes of Haas, just mentioning before, (laughs) with Grosjean, all his non-points finishes, just take a look at Australia and if you just take the points lost in Australia, that would have been that 24 points that um, they're currently behind Renault with. So, um, yeah, you know, if they'd finished fourth and fifth that day, then that could have been the difference between finishing fourth and fifth uh, in the Constructors this year. So we'll leave it at that anyway. And um, Force India, a messy day for them 
of course, in the race, we've already talked about Ocon and Sergio Perez, I guess, just getting a, a consolation point at the end of it um, for the team. So they're going to have to really have a look at what went wrong. And I guess they're the ones who advised Ocon, after all, t- to unlap himself. And it's not like they weren't following protocol, the regulations allow you to do that. But I guess just the way that it was handled was the, the big contentious thing, which we'll talk about um, soon enough. Yes, just in the the context of being a race leader, that that seems to bring a different interpretation of of the rules. And as far as it goes, and around the maturity of of the drivers concerned, there it's always going to have a different outcome to to an example where you might have had the drivers um, who have had years on the grid as a Hamilton and a Vettel would be viewing this very differently. Sorry, yeah. Um... It would indeed be different, but given the profile of the drivers, even though they're not at that Hamilton Vettel level, it is still pretty significant. And yeah, we're going to go over it pretty soon. So quickly to round out Brazil, it was a a bit of a shoddy race for Fernando Alonso. Again, a five-second penalty for ignoring blue flags. And after all that, he was demoted to P17 behind uh, Sergei Sorotkin because he was pretty much battling the Williams's all race between he, Sorotkin and Stroll and losing out to Sorotkin in the end that position and yeah, Stoffel Van Dorn again not in the points either so uh, McLaren I guess same old story as with Williams so yeah, they'd be just hoping to, to make it through the next race and uh, right to be glad that these seasons are this season's over, sorry Again, marking time there, and you hope that Alonso gets his his send off at Abu Dhabi. But it, it's intriguing to see Brendan Hartley really seeming to come on song in recent times, and a bit of fire you can, you can see probably since he was um, revealed to him that he won't be returning next season, and that'll be going to we assume Alexander Albon. He's he's racing now like his career is on the line, and who knows what alternatives he does have lined up in. 2019 but that heated rivalry in the the dying laps which we didn't see unfortunately on board with Pierre Gasly it's a sign that even if the points aren't on the line that he's really uh, quite desperate now and it's just a shame that for, for whatever reason hasn't been on display for the balance of the season. Yeah, the radio message, the radio communications um, through that race between the Torosso guys was quite intriguing, and just the frustration from Brendan Hartley's side. It's it's hard not to to side with the guy in that case, you know, and um, given that he was the faster car at the time, and Gasly, you know, just being a bit stubborn and everything, and Carlos Sainz uh, waiting in the lurk, uh, lurking in the behind as well, um, just made it really difficult, and it's hard. You know, um, it's hard not to deny that, you know, Hartley, I guess, is sort of being marginalised or whatever you want to say, not favoured. You know, we heard him talk about how, you know, he's been left in the dark about his future and everything. And I guess, given the stature of Hartley, it's not like he's some amateur in this game. He's a two-time world endurance champion. He's a two-time, oh, sorry, He's a one-time Le Mans 24-hour winner as well, so it's not like he's some uh, guy that they've plucked straight out of GP2 or Formula 2, sorry, and uh, is a rookie amateur. Um, he's got a lot of pedigree behind him, and to, to give him that treatment, I guess, it's a bit unfortunate. It's just a shame. Probably missed the boat in terms of coming in 
at his Formula One prime and the, the circumstances where he's almost just that, that fallback option, not the first and not the the last in the Red Bull empire. And you just think that he, he's almost uh, as though he's been against the clock from the outset and hope he lands on both feet wherever his destination is in the future. Yeah, exactly. Could be Formula E or does he go to GT driving with Porsche um, somewhere in the world where they've got their programs? So, yeah, it's a... Or, you know, do some other kind of um, sports car racing in IMSA or WEC for, for someone else. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to Brendan Hartley in the future. So rounding it up, I guess, drivers of the day, um, I would have given it to Verstappen if we didn't um, have that all that fallout, given that he had such a sensational drive and everything. So basically, he was driver of the day up until the crash. And then after the crash, because even the crash itself... For the on-track stuff, you know, the, he could have done, he could have avoided it happening as well. So, gonna go with Ricardo for this one again. Just solid drive for him, P11, coming up to P4, and yeah, just hanging on in there, I guess, to the end to finally finish a race. Just uh, the shame, as we mentioned earlier, that finishing the race is now such an accomplishment when the thought for a time was he's in the hunt for the title here, and how far he's fallen but he proves when the car can make it to the finish line that he pulls off some of the most breathtaking moves and had he started in position there's every chance he would have been p2 and who knows perhaps taking it to hamilton or or verstappen for the victory and just hope that he gets another chance at abu dhabi to, to sign off on his red bull tenure on a high yeah exactly and i guess he hasn't fallen to the depths of fernando alonso yet so we could keep the straight jacket <laughs> and uh whatnot um keep it in the closet for now but yeah it's only one more race he's got to deal with and we'll see what happens next year when he moves to renault so let's quickly go over the digest then and then we'll get into our discussion about balancing show with sportsmanship in the fallout of the Verstappen and Ocon incident. So first things first, um, Max Verstappen ordered to do public service two days worth as a sanction for um, his park for May antics with um, Esteban Ocon. So basically after the race, he goes to the Waybridge room, uh, the Waybridge garage, sorry, where um, all the drivers are weighing in post-race. And even though Verstappen was supposed to go to the podium or whatever, he goes and finds Ocon in there and starts uh, giving him a bit of a push and shove. So, you know, that's, I guess, why they've laid down the sanction of two days public service. But, you know, some people argue it uh, should have incurred a race ban or something like that. As Verstappen said on the cool-down lap, you better hope I don't um, find him in the paddock and he seemed not to waste any time in hunting him down and that talk of provocation by Ocon that he was pulling a a very condescending face that it's hard to know the truth without cameras being from all angles and for what it is you can understand in the moment that Verstappen is hot tempered and he lost a victory so he's got a right not to be pleased but for what it is it wasn't a great look and and you can see that on the basis of what we we know about his his father that, that there's definitely a mindset there where that they're, they're very much intimidating when they don't get what they they want and and you have to think that at his age and, and in terms of what we'll discuss shortly around the actual sportsmanship side that with a bit more maturity he might have handled the entire episode a little bit differently yeah handle it differently but instead it was uh, more like mad max fury road 
um, on this occasion. So yeah, that's uh, the sanction, I guess, that was laid down to Max, the only sanction indeed. So, uh, but now for some better news, I guess, some positive news. And uh, Fernando Alonso and McLaren are going to return to Indy next year. So doing the Indy 500, I guess, not doing a full season of IndyCar as, I guess, hoped firstly by fans for Fernando Alonso. But McLaren themselves, they're going to create a whole new team for the challenge. So they're taking it very seriously, this thing. Um, have a dedicated team working on the IndyCar project. And um, yeah, with that sole intention of winning the Indy 500 and for Fernando Alonso to complete the Triple Crown. It's just a nice way for that relationship to continue and give him some substance in what's going to be a fairly light on year aside from the endurance championship commitments there and who knows whether it will be enough to tempt him into a a full-time campaign from 2020 and beyond or whether it will consolidate McLaren's own interests in uh, a full-time future in uh, stateside so for them at least it's able to give them some affirmation and and the talk uh, whether it will be confirmed or not that Andretti will collaborate with them that's one that will play out in time but the, the biggest backdrop to it all I think is that the talk of uh, how Honda wanted to have nothing to do with McLaren's collaboration here, and it seems those bridges are very much singed from the messy fallout to its collaboration, which we don't need to elaborate at all on from the, the three seasons in Formula One. Yeah, I guess it'll definitely be a Chevrolet engine that um, he's going to be running, so I guess that's why um, they're talking about a whole new team for this challenge, you know, rather than sort of being paired up with Andretti Autosport as they were last year. So, yeah, creating a whole new team and starting from scratch, essentially. So, quite crucial. And I guess if there's going to be testing opportunities, if they're allowed to do that even, um, Alonso will have a lot more free time to, to do that next year. So, yeah, that'll be one to definitely watch. And then, of course, Marcus Ericsson will be on the grid too. And, you know, when you pair them up against the IndyCar regulars like Alexander Rossi, Will Power, Scott Dixon... It's going to be a cracker of a race. I'm sure next year we'll really enjoy watching it. I'm sure he'll do his homework on it and you won't just prepare for it like it's any other event and he's deadly serious about that Triple Crown commitment. So it wouldn't be a surprise at all if he's someone who can come straight in even though he's had the 2017 experience, he'll be switched on immediately. Exactly. And to round it off as well, so uh, another former McLaren driver and Alonso's former teammate, Jensen Button, has won something and it's the Super GT Championship in Japan. So he and his uh, co-driver Yamamoto-san, they won the title over the weekend. Um, First title for Button since obviously the F1 uh, crown in 2009, which he won with Braun. So, you know, winning in his rookie season as well quite significant and yeah just good to see I guess for a driver like Button who for a period of time had all the success and then like Alonso just um, gone into the wilderness with McLaren not having any kind of success podiums or um, wins at all and to this year I guess with Alonso going over to the endurance championship and Button retiring from F1 and doing super gt winning races it's regardless of what category you're in it's got to be a good feeling to to be winning i think alonzo and button have been dead inside for a long time so their respective accomplishments outside of formula one have gone a long way to um restoring that that life and it's a shame that they couldn't sign off their respective tenures in formula one after all that they've contributed 
on a higher note. But but as it is, it's just the reality, the way circumstances play out. You, you can't always look into the future so much. And, and for Button, he seems to be enjoying life away from that scrutiny. And, and who knows whether this is enough for him for his fix alongside all of his... Um, triathlon commitments and he's cycling he seems passionate about everything there so clearly he's in a, a much better place these days exactly so good to see um him winning and then yeah obviously alonso um if he can pull off the triple crown then you know that's going to be quite significant too we talk about lewis hamilton winning five world championships and everything um in f1 and closing closing in on schumacher's title but yeah i think the triple crown and what it is in motorsport as well is a little bit underrated um and i guess because graham hill is the only one who ever achieved it however long ago i guess if alonso does uh, manage to pull it off it's going to be something that should be talked about a lot there is another well not montoya if yes, that's what you're montoya. referring to <laughs> he'll come in and steal his parade then alonso <laughs> will truly be wrecked he'll just despise <laughs> That man back from their Formula One days yeah. of beating him to the punch. Well, if Montoya ends up with Toyo, well, all he needs to do is get Toyota to give him a go next year at Le Mans, and that's pretty much guaranteed a, 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 a sorry, the Triple Crown. So, yeah, that'll be quite something interesting. You can just imagine that he means a lot to Alonso out of everything he's missed out on in Formula One. This is clearly his primary motivation so he's going to invest all of his energies towards realizing it and montoya just uh, comes in like a troll and uh, takes it away from him and then they have a little bit of a stoush in the paddock afterwards that'd be funny to watch but yeah um but you know it's just funny speaking about montoya like Max almost seems more psycho than Montoya ever was. I think that was known a while ago, and this was just uh, some sort of mere vindication. When when things uh, become scorched earth, then (laughs) it's the point of no return. Well, when you immediately when the incident happened, it was like when was the last time we had a uh, a lapped car get involved with a race leader? And it's like, oh, it was actually Montoya with Jos Verstappen back in '01 in brazil as well so you know just the the serendipity there at that um at that time so anyway let's go straight into our discussion then um balancing show with the sportsmanship and i guess the debate around whether ocon should have tried to unlap himself and everything um has gone beyond just um you know whether it was a racing incident or not but the fact that you know after the race we had Verstappen confront Ocon and the fact that it was actually the footage even though it was amateur footage that it was actually put up on the F1 social media channels the official channels and even though they're trying to say that oh it was the wrong thing to do blah 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 why did they put it up on the social media channels there was actually some conspiracy theory well there was many conspiracy theories one of them being that you know, Liberty are actually prodding this, you know, they're prodding Max to to go and confront him and stuff like that. They want to turn F1 into NASCAR, blah, 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 as well as the conspiracy theory that um, Mercedes tapped Force India on the shoulder and said, right, can you take out the race leader and, um, you know, so we can win the Constructors' Championship, which, you know, is total hogwash anyway. But, um, yeah, it yields all this sort of stuff. Um 
Charlie Whiting came out after the race, said, yeah, the rules do allow you to up yourself, but just the, the premise of it, as you said, you know, getting involved with a race leader especially, um, perhaps it was the wrong thing to do at that time. I think regardless of how clumsy it was, primarily on, on Ocon's part in respecting that position of, of the leader, none, none of those conspiracies hold any water and Mercedes are going to be constructors champions regardless of the outcome there so that that would have been drastic measures for them to take when it's not as though it was a, a driver's title per se on the line or the final race and it was this position will determine whether we are or not constructors champions and whether if you don't do this crash and Ocon you're not coming to us in 2020 all of that is is utterly ridiculous and and then that thought that Force India was telling Ocon to actually go for it to unlap himself uh, who knows how much of that influenced Ocon's thinking but for what it is um, clearly it's not his finest hour but just the uh, the backlash more than anything the fact that Ocon and the circumstances around his future and just that real outrage that um, considering his, his personality he's well liked by everybody and his results consistency everything was suggesting that it was a, a real hard luck story that he wouldn't be in Formula One in 2019. And now we find ourselves in a position where everyone is saying, sayonara, good riddance, we couldn't, we can't wait to see the back of you. And it's just a simple mistake. And, and yes, Ocon um, clearly didn't think it through completely, but nor did Max Verstappen, when, when you view it, he clearly didn't leave anywhere near enough space into what's been a pretty notoriously tight corner there into turn two over the years it's caught out many drivers and we've seen lots of accidents whether it's lapping or or just for position and he's clearly at that age 21 again we need to mention they're both younger and that's always going to have a role well that's where Hulkenberg and Hamilton went off in 2012 when Hulkenberg was leading the race in the wet so notorious indeed but yeah you know it just seems unfair all the criticism towards Ocon in this sense and all the the hate now that's coming towards him when you look at Max and he's sort of equally uh to blame and I we know that Max is a hard racer that he doesn't want to yield and everything and you know people are quick to put on the comparisons to the likes of Etten Senna and etc etc but you know there is a limit to to how much you can do it and Verstappen it's it's almost that weird paradox where the last few races or the second half of the season, if you want to say, everyone's been praising him for being so mature, he's racing so well, he's out outsmarting the likes of Hamilton and Vettel, yet, you know, one little, this incident, you know, the way it was blown, out, blown up as well after the race just reminds you that he still isn't there yet, you know, he's still not in that position where he is that fully mature and composed driver that can win a world championship, and then for him to come out after the race and say, I'm a winner, so I deserve my place, and who is he, he's a loser or something, you know, it's just like, well, you know, even the other guys were a bit more humble than you were. It's one of those cases in the fullness of time, we'll be able to assess what he's personality is like but whilst it's all raw for now and and he clearly feeling uh, the immediate frustration at being denied a, a victory and um, whether he has that center mindset of the, this idea that he has the right to win that that's something that could be 
just deep-seated within his psyche. That That's something that might play out over the years. But we remember all the drivers over the um, the greats, Hamilton and, and Vettel and, and co. Really, uh, when they were starting out, they had maybe not accidents where they tangled with a back marker, but where they came together and they just hadn't thought something through completely and they'd come out into the media and, and shoot their mouth off before really... Um, giving themselves some time to, to look at what had happened objectively. And, and that's something that Verstappen still has to learn. And that's his um, real deficiency for the time being, as spectacular as he is on the track. Well, and adding on to that, were the, was the sanction harsh enough? And I've already expressed that to me it wasn't. Two days public service. I mean, it's, it's, just... it's with a psychologist. I heard his name's Yoss someone. I think yeah, yeah, Yoss uh, Verstappen, I think it is. Mr. Yoss Verstappen, yeah. So it has the same surname as Yeah, they as might as well just sit, Verstappen and, himself, sit so. and have uh, a beer together rather than a psychology session. But no, like, it's, it is pretty um i don't think you a ban would have been a ban might have been overkill but um yeah public service i mean it's not going to change who max is he's gonna he's gonna end up in the same situation and you know go and try to murder someone else in uh park firm <laughs> well, his, his dad has been known for <laughs> grievous bodily harm yeah so, so he put it past him yeah it and it's came to it, it. and it's pretty concerning and i know how we all like to rant on social media and everything about how F1's too sterile, we need a bit of passion, we need a bit of fire. Like, that's fine, but leave it to, you know, what's on track and not have it, you know, spill over to let's put the Biffo back into the, the big league. Like, it's it's funny when you see the likes of Scaife and Ingle or whatever go at it or Ambrose and uh, Murphy, <laughs> right? But, you know, um, the way Max Verstappen... Like, he genuinely looks like he's going to punch someone, you know? And so. even after Mexico, he hadn't any, any kind of collision. It was the fact that he, he had been denied his pole position by Ricardo and he unceremoniously celebrated his pole after the season of misery that we've mentioned so frequently. He took that as an affront and an insult. And then his dad came out and said that he found it a sign of disrespect. It's a sign that he just feels like he... He by merely showing up that he deserves to win. Yeah, you know the watch out for the Dutch mafia, basically. So, um, yeah, it's a hard one to to tackle Verstappen, and it, that's going to be the interesting thing, given that he is regarded as this once in a generation driver and everything. So, you know, it's just one of those things where you know we have to look back on it in in years to come. But for now, I guess rather than falling asleep, we need to um, just wait it out and see how his career pans out and what happens next year given that Pierre Gasly will come to the team perhaps Honda will make them championship contenders and uh yeah what's going to happen can he string together a whole season where he's up there and we've previously doubted that the scary thought is when you do look at what he has accomplished 80 starts and five victories and there's still a chance if he if pulls it off next season wins a title he'd be the youngest of all time but when you look at the age Lewis Hamilton entered the sport it, he still hadn't even made his debut at the age Verstappen is now so he's clearly got a huge development curve ahead of him and it's probably another five seasons before we can look back and and judge him on who he's who he has been and who he will be for 
the balance of his career. He's got such a long time ahead of him, yet it's hard to believe that with what he's already done, that he's only just getting started. Yeah, just getting started, but it's also due to the fact that he bypassed the junior formula and everything, like just came straight into F1 um, after one standout year in whichever junior category he was in. So, um, yeah, like, you know, perhaps that's where the maturity sort of, you know, he could have used that to, to mature out a little bit. We keep talking about Mick Schumacher and how he's really um, taking his time and doing it properly to get to F1. So, yeah, you know, when, when the likes of Schumacher crosses paths with Verstappen um, 2.0, um, we'll see who is really on top. You just hope in the meantime that for what it is, Ocon and Verstappen can work it out in their own way and, and just move forward because it's not a great look when you see that physical side come out, but they're just two drivers there who are passionate and you hope for Ocon's sake that he doesn't um, find himself lost to Formula One because he looks like someone who belongs on the grid. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to see... Um, you want to see passion. You don't want it to be too sterile, but at the same time, you don't want things escalating into that sort of uh, realm or those proportions. So, yeah, I guess, you know, you could sit here and talk about it all day, but um, rather than that, we'll just... We'll leave it. I think there's not much more to, to add, really, than to just elaborate on what we've already discussed. But I'm sure in the days and weeks to come, there will still be plenty of people sharing their thoughts on it. But, uh, yeah, I think we'll just leave it at that for now. Yes, and we'll wind down the clock the next two weeks. And then end of season edition, we'll be sure to revisit this one as one of the, the vocal points of, of what's been, again, a season where we... Had a lot of hype and it just petered away, unfortunately. Yeah, just like Max Verstappen's seasons, uh, you know, they don't seem to come together completely. So, you know, um, it has promise at the start and then just sort of... Sorry, that's Ferrari's season I'm thinking of. Yeah, wrong, wrong, uh, wrong group there. Yeah, Ferrari, they seem to start the season strong and then it just falls away at the end of it but anyway we've had some good races the last few weeks i'm not going to complain so yeah we'll, we'll leave it at that and yeah next week we'll be back to preview abu dhabi the finale for you till then until then thanks for tuning in and catch you later